It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are seconds away from hearing the daily Locked On podcast you love, but I'd like to tell you about another podcast I think you'll like. Rejecting the Screen, hosted by NBA experts Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko, features provocative interviews with NBA stars and unique perspectives from around the game. Subscribe to Rejecting the Screen wherever you get your podcasts. Durant, long three, count it, and the foul! Kevin Durant with a chance for a four-point play from several feet beyond the arc. What up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On Warriors. I'm your host, Charles T. Hamilton. The Dubs get the Game 4 win over the Clippers. They are up 3-1 in the series. KD, all-around good game. Play, all-around great first half. I also got some post-game sound I want to get to. Going to cover the game. Give you everything you guys want. That's coming up next here on Locked On Warriors on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You are Locked On Warriors. Your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On Warriors. I'm your host, Charles T. Hamilton. If you're looking for Locked On Warriors, you can find me on the brand new podcasting app, Himalaya. Himalaya is the brand new podcasting app that gives you not only just uh, personally curated playlists, new features coming out every day. Make sure you go download the new podcasting app, Himalaya. You can also find me on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and why don't you go ahead and hit that subscribe button for me. Rate and review. All that good stuff. Much appreciate. I only got time for like half words, you guys. I don't have time for the whole word. Uh, sorry about this one coming out a little late. I was out of town all weekend. Just got back and uh, watched the game from start to finish. Got a lot of thoughts. Some good. Some bad. But in the end, Warriors are up 3-1. So it's, it's pretty much all good. Going to start, let's just get right into it. Going to start with the first quarter, because that's where all games start. I know it's it's a rule. I don't agree with it, but you start the game in the first quarter. Again, it was a bad start for Steph Curry. It, well, okay, let me rephrase that. Not again it was a bad start. It was a bad start. But part of the negative of this bad start is the theme of foul trouble. It's been three straight games that Steph has gotten into foul trouble. All avoidable fouls, too. That's the most annoying part. It's him making bad plays, being dumb. Honestly, those are dumb plays. Stop reaching. And it looks like the Warriors are going to be playing the uh, Rockets in the next round, where it's literally something he's going to have to not do. He's going to have to keep his hands behind his back, out to the side, do something gimmicky to make sure that you're not reaching, that you're not fouling. Steph ends up going 3 of 14 for the game, 1 of 9 from 3. Woof. 12 points was a minus 2 in 34 minutes. He did get 10 rebounds, which I do have to credit, give him a good amount of credit for. He's averaging just under 10 rebounds a game, which for a guard is great. For a 6-3 guard, it's even better. But Steph did struggle in the first. Two personal fouls again. Kerr had to take him out uh, seven minutes and 16 seconds into the first quarter, which messes up the rotation, which messes up Steph's 
rhythm. That's the thing. Steph has had, I don't want to say bad games. He's had bad halves because he will get himself into foul trouble. Game two, he was great. Had a great, he was great in the first half. I'll put it that way. Picks up his fourth foul midway through the third. Has to sit, comes back, can't hit a shot. Messes up his rhythm. Uh, Game three, same exact thing. Picks up fourth foul in the third. Has to sit. Warriors were up by, you know, what, 35, 36 at a certain point. Comes back for two or three minutes in the fourth. Has no rhythm. They don't really need him out there anyways. He sits down. This game, I mean, he never really had it this game. This was his worst all-around game. But bottom line, it's a problem. It's a problem now. Three straight games, he's going to have to fix it. Because, uh, look, Houston will be able to take advantage of it. But even further along, other teams, too, will be able to take advantage of it. So it's something he's going to have to fix. But back to the rest of the team and the rest of the game. Clay was the absolute headliner in this one because he's Clay and he's hilarious and we all love him. He came out in the first quarter, had 17 points, was 7 of 10 from the field, perfect from three, three of three from three. A very Clay uh, final box score, too, where it was just all shooting, all points. I think he had one rebound, no assists. But Clay coming out that hot was huge for this team, especially with Steph, not just with the foul trouble, but he ended up having a bad game. Uh, Shooting-wise, also, he went 3 of 14. So they needed someone else to pick up the slack, and that was Clay. And he he delivered. He delivered mostly in the first half. And Kevin Durant had to do most of the heavy lifting in the second half. But bottom line, it worked. KD was solid in the first quarter as well, 3 of 6. Just standard KD. I mean, that's that's all you can say. Standard Kevin Durant. Draymond Green did his normal, incredible defense. Not really efficient from the field, 4 of 11 on the night, but he did have 9 rebounds, 5 assists, and 2 blocks. One thing I want to say uh, also before we keep you know, going through the game, chronologically, 13 turnovers on the night for the team. That's huge. That's exactly what the Warriors need. They need to be somewhere between 10 and 15. Even lower would be nice. But 13 is good for this team with how much they move the ball. You're going to have to deal with at least a certain amount of turnovers, and that's what they did. They end the first with a 10-point lead, 32-22. The Clippers actually made a an adjustment tonight, starting Jermichael Green at center. So Zubach was on the bench, and Jermichael Green was starting at center. He's clearly undersized. He's, you know, 6'9", 230, a capable uh, player. But to go up against Bogut at center, that's not the best matchup but bottom line they have four guys that can potentially spread the floor out there also or excuse me five guys that can potentially spread the floor with Michael Green out there with uh Shamit, Gilgis Alexander, Gallinari and Beverly but it it didn't make a huge difference I will say he did guard KD which I think is obviously a much better option than Patrick Beverly I I, I did not understand that earlier in the series Never understood it at all. I, I think the way you match up with KD is with height. You try and match height if you can. You know, I mean, there's not another seven-footer out there like Kevin Durant, but if you can get a six-nine guy on a more, you know, uh, Trevor Ariza did a good job against him last year. If you can get closer to matching height, I think that's the way to go. Anyways, second quarter, Steph continued to struggle. This is where he got most of his time. He did pick up another... Personal foul, which gave him three in the first half, 
which put him back on the bench. He was one of five in the second quarter for only two points. Clay Thompson, though, continued his hot shooting, three of four, two of three from three, two free throws. Look at that, Clay getting free throws, man. Uh, KD, really good as well, three of four from the field. Uh, Draymond and Bogut, they didn't have really the point totals this game, obviously, but they both played great defense, great defense. And that's been one of the major positives of the playoffs is just you hope this team can lock in. You hope they can lock in offensively. You hope they can lock in defensively. And we're seeing the defense immediately, which is the good part. Offensively, you know, it can come and go. But for the most part, we're seeing Clay, Draymond, Bogut, uh, KD, Andre Iguodala all lock in defensively. The second unit in that second quarter struggled immediately, and that was even with Steph and Clay on the floor. Uh, Steph's foul trouble messes up the rotations. So he was in there with Clay and uh, Sean, Andre, and Bogut, I believe, and they just couldn't get anything going. They were minus 10 in four minutes without KD. And, uh, yeah, the, the <laughs> excuse me, the Clippers were able to tie it up and even take the lead at one point, I believe, in the second. The Dubs had a 10-point uh, lead going into the second. Clippers outscore them by two. So eight-point lead going into the half. Uh, I mentioned Andre. He knocked down a three in that second quarter. And I know one three, big, big whoop. But getting anything offensively outside of the paint from Andre is always a bonus. Shea Gilgis-Alexander was really good. He was really good this game. That rookie has, I mean, thank Sean Livingston with a potential three-point shot. Or at least a willingness to shoot him. That's what he reminds me of. And uh, I think a lot of people would agree so in the first half, Clay ends the first half with 27, 10 of 14 from the field, 5 of 6 from 3. He was on fire. He had himself a hell of a game, but like I said, it was mostly in the first half. KD, 6 of 10 from the field, 1 of 2 from 3. He ended with 5 rebounds, 4 assists, 1 steal, 1 turnover. And that's what I'm saying. From, from a guy who had 9 turnovers in a game a couple games ago, it's good to see him cut back on that. Steph was 1 of 7, 0 of 5 from 3 for 3 points in the first half. It was a bad game from Seth. It was a bad game. Uh, In the third, the Warriors came out sloppy. They had three turnovers in the first, about two minutes, 15 seconds. Steph had a play where he tried to flop and draw a charge on Patrick Beverly, which left Beverly wide open for a three. It was just a bad Steph game. It really was. As much as the foul trouble had hurt, he was missing shots and making some bad plays. Uh, He also had some turnovers that were... Ugh, just those over-the-head no-look passes are so risky. And a lot of them amount to turnovers, and it makes Steve Kerr want to pull his hair out. And me too. But in the third, it, it slowed down in the third for the Warriors. The Clippers actually uh, outscored them by five, 30-25 in the third. Part of that was just Steph Curry having a bad game. And he's, he's such an important part. He's such the motor behind this team that uh, when he can't get it going, it's they struggle. And another part of that is St- uh, Clay Thompson, who had such a huge uh, first half, 27 points. He went scoreless in the third and only took one shot. So there's something you got to figure out because, I mean, I've, I don't have to explain. He scored 27 in the first half. And then only gets one shot in the third. You have to try and find a way to get him shots, to get him the ball. 
Uh, Landry Shamit had a big quarter for the Clippers, going three or four from three. That kid is nice, and I think this experience for him, Shea Gilgis Alexander, is going to be really valuable for them uh, moving forward. So they were able to outscore the Warriors by five going into the fourth. The Dubs still had a three-point lead, 87 to 84. Uh, but early in the fourth, the uh, excuse me, the Clippers went on a run to build a five-point lead, which initially you're you know a little worried about, a little worried about. But then, oddly enough, that second unit that has so much trouble scoring all of a sudden goes on a nine-to-four run that consisted of Clay hitting a couple of jumpers, hitting a three. It consisted of a backdoor cut from Andre. Uh, Alfonso McKinney on a nice putback and then also on a broken play hitting a floater. Alfonso McKinney had some nice minutes in this game. He did miss the only three he took, but was still contributing uh, to this game and to the win. So that was very positive to see. Bogut actually fouled out with uh, five minutes, 50 seconds left to go in the game. But even then, he had a solid game with 10 rebounds and eight points. He has been so damn good for the Warriors. It's crazy. Uh, Definitely not what any of us expected. Uh, KD later in the game, later in the fourth, kind of took over a little bit. He did only have seven points, but they were uh, more about timing than the quantity over quality. He knocked down a big three at the end to really wrap this thing up. And even then, it was off of a Steph Curry assist, but even then it was a near turnover that Steph, you know, got the loose ball and was able to kick it back to uh, KD for the three. But he was just bad and sloppy this game. I do want to give Andre Iguodala a lot of credit. Another great game from him. Uh, 10 points, 4 of 10 shooting. He went 2 of 4 from 3. And again, if him or Draymond are knocking down threes, this other team is pretty screwed. Pretty screwed, no question. So, good game from the Dubs. Good fight from the Clippers. You know, you got to give them credit. But that's the tough part with the Warriors. You get potentially their best or most important player in Steph Curry having a terrible night, that's fine because KD and Clay will just go for 30-plus each, you know? Oh, well, at least we'll get some rest when, you know, they're off the floor. Or a guy like Alfonso McKinney will make a couple hustle plays. Uh, Andre Guadalla and Andrew Bogut, two of the highest IQ guys in the NBA, will just back-cut your defense to to smithereens. Uh, So it was a good game. Another good win for the Warriors. They're up 3-1 now. And let's hope they just wrap this thing up. Take it serious. Wrap it up. Call it a series. Wait for Houston. We will see what happens. They play again on Wednesday. Going to take a quick break. Come back. I want to play some sound from Clay, from uh, Coach Kerr, maybe a little KD as well. That's all coming up next here on Locked On Warriors on the Locked On Podcast Network. Is there anything more craveable than the smell of McDonald's fries? If someone's hiding an order of fries, they're never hiding it well. It takes one whiff to trigger a fry craving that will only be satisfied the McDonald's way. So stand up if you would like to taste the smell of a McDonald's fry right now. Did you just stand? Because if you did, then you earned yourself a trip to the McDonald's drive through for your own steamy carton of crispy golden goodness. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Support for this podcast comes from Microsoft Surface. Introducing Microsoft Surface Laptop Go. Available in three colors, its thin light design, built-in HD camera, and touchscreen turns any space into your workspace. More at surface.com slash laptop go. What up, everybody? Welcome back to Locked On Warriors. I'm your host, Charles T. Hamilton. What's happening? Dubs got the win over the Clippers 
last night, or last afternoon, actually, right? Or last lunchtime, really. <laughs> 113 to 105, uh, taking a 3-1 lead in the series. Clay Thompson was an absolute monster in the first half, getting 27 in the first half. KD was his exceptional steady self, uh, getting 33 in the game. He was huge in the second half. And the Dubs are up now, looking to eliminate the Clippers, move on to the second round, probably take on Houston. One of the negative parts of the game was Steph Curry uh, just playing poorly, but again getting in foul trouble. And Steve Kerr was asked about it after the game. Uh, Here's what Steve Kerr had to say on the, I don't know, kind of problematic theme we're seeing here. One shoe said no, and the other shoe said reach. So... um, (laughs) He didn't. He didn't reach as much tonight, so that was good. But uh, you know, Steph. Uh, Steph sometimes loses focus. I mean, it's uh, you know he, he's such a, a fascinating player because uh, the same thing that makes him you know not hesitate to shoot a fadeaway thirty footer um, maybe is the same thing that gets him uh, in foul trouble. You know, he he doesn't overthink much. So uh, he's just gotten into a habit lately of reaching, and instead of you know showing his hands and trusting the help behind him, and uh, he did a better job in the second half. I don't think he picked up a foul. Maybe he did late. I don't know, but uh, he, he's he'll be fine. I mean, he's uh, he's just in a little bit of a rut right now with that stuff. But second half was a good uh, a good spell for him where he was disciplined and uh, stayed in the game. There's Steve on Steph and his foul trouble. He also mentioned that he, uh, you know, wrote a little something on his shoes to remind him, no reach. No reach. And Steve said he did better this game, at least as far as the reaching goes, which he did. But I, I appreciate Steve with the insight that Steph just kind of loses focus at times. And Steph calls it like reaching in the cookie jar. Just when they put that ball out there, he thinks he can get it. And that's what gets him into foul trouble. But Steve Kerr, very honest, just he he loses focus. It's the same thing that allows him to pull up from 30 feet without a second thought is the same thing that allows him to swipe at a player without a second thought, and it gets him into foul trouble. Steve, confident in Steph, says he will be fine. It's not going to be a problem. I'll trust him. I believe him. But, man, please be right. (laughs) It, It does throw everything off when Steve has to sit him because of foul trouble, and that's against a inferior team like the Clippers. When you go up against Houston, could be very different. We'll see. We will see. I want to get to Clay Thompson, who is seemingly everyone's favorite, at least on Twitter, just because he's he's Clay. I like. I don't know how to explain it. I was going to call him the dude of the NBA, but I don't even know if that's right. You know, Big Lebowski. Uh, if any of you don't get that reference, go watch it. Maybe maybe you'll get it. But just laid back, just nothing really seems to bother him. Seems to bother him. We all know that you know a poor shooting game does get to him and stuff like that. But it's just his attitude, I think, that people love. And he's got a pretty charmed existence in Golden State where he doesn't really get blamed for anything, which, hell, sounds good to me. But here was Clay in his postgame game. Asked if he did anything different to try and bounce back, you know, anything off the court. And uh, knowing Clay, of course he did. Here's what he had to say. I think I had a bad games. Well, I didn't have any big games. 
I told Jonas yesterday, we went to the beach, played some volleyball. I'm like, you know, I'm just going to jump in the ocean. I just know that will reset my mind, and it worked. So I don't know <laughs> if I'm going to jump up north because it's freezing, but some I'll definitely contemplate if I don't shoot the ball that well the rest of the year. But hopefully that doesn't happen. And I thought it was interesting for him to say he didn't think he had any bad games, just no big games. And that's kind of true. He hasn't had great shooting games, but I've been adamant, and I've said it every single podcast, he's been great defensively. He really has. He's part of that group that is locked in and makes such a difference of him, uh, Draymond, Andre, KD. When they are locked in, Steph's had, uh, I'd say, three out of four really good defensive games. But Clay and those guys have been locked in defensively, so I don't want to... Uh, give him, I don't want to say he's had a bunch of bad games because at least on the defensive side, he's been great. Some some not up-to-par shooting games for Clay Thompson. And by the way, I'm with him, dude. Anytime you get a chance to jump in the ocean, absolutely take advantage. I know he said it's freezing up here, so he might not do it, but screw it, man. If, if you're not shooting well, go jump in that, like, 40-degree water. That might even make, you might you might go perfect in a game jumping in that cold water up here. But I'm with him, and it's just classic Clay that him and Jarebko were going to play some beach volleyball, and then he just decides to go swim in the ocean, and that reset him. Uh, it's Clay, man, and that, I think that's what people love about him so much too, just his uh, goofiness, I guess. I don't even know. I don't even know. It was a 12:30 tip. Clay Thompson had some thoughts on that as well. It's not often you see an NBA team wanting to practice at like 9 a.m. on a Saturday. I don't think so. I actually believe we had the 9 a.m. start time to get us ready for the day. I'm not a morning person, so uh, it was a struggle to get up and practice that early. I felt like I was back at Santa Margarita. <laughs> it was fun, man. Anytime playing Staples, I really enjoy it, especially you know, I was so lucky as a kid to come here and watch playoff games, not be a part of it. Uh, it's a real joy, joy for me. Your left. So initially what Clay's talking about is on Saturday, the Dubs practiced at 9 a.m. They made it an earlier practice to try and get ready for Sunday when they played at 1230 and would have to get there, you know, 9, 10 or whatever, whenever they do. Clay's not a morning person. I agree with him, man. Covering the NBA, this is is a night job. This is night stuff we do, okay? Late night. Ain't trying to get up at 9, but I hear him. And it's just, it's funny how just a little thing like that gets a headline for clay everyone loves clay headline clay thompson not a morning person lol <laughs> like he's he's the best and i, I you know I'm, I'm a big fan of his too i was gonna play a clip of his tnt post game but or abc or whatever it was i forget what network it was on but anyways he it, it it's not as good audio as good as the visual is so they're asked, like, what's the secret behind this team? And he goes, strength in numbers, and shows the towel that says strength in numbers on it, but he's holding it upside down. And Lisa Salters tells him it's upside down. At least he didn't have to call him out, dude. Just let him, let him throw it out there, man. Come on. But again, just classic Clay. And it's one of those things that if anyone else did it, it wouldn't be that funny. But since Clay did it, everyone loved it. Everyone loved it. And uh, just a big Clay game, man. Hope there's a lot more of those. Uh, Steve Kerr was actually asked about Alfonso McKinney and his performance in the post game, and Steve had some some uh, things to say that were pretty interesting, and I think also exemplify what makes McKinney 
valuable to this team, but also just what they need from role players, regardless of who they are. Here's Steve. It's exactly what I expected. You know, the, the thing I love about Zoe is he's fearless. You know, he's, he's never shied away from a shot. Um, he, uh, he has scrapped and clawed to get, a, get to this point in his career. He's played everywhere, overseas and uh, G League. And um, so he's making the most of his moment. And uh, this is not surprising to me from, from a guy who's had to, to fight his way uh, into a job. And uh, he's, I thought, as I said, I thought he really helped us tonight. There's Steve Kerr on Alfonso McKinney and... Look, he's not going to have any 20-point games, but just in those few minutes he played, he did make an impact, and I love that he mentioned that he's fearless because that's what I was alluding to before I played that clip is that's what the Warriors need in role players, fearlessness. Don't back down from shooting that three just because you're on the floor with you know three of the best shooters to ever play. If you got an open three, you need to take it, and he does take it. Even though the, the percentages haven't been great over the last couple months, he's still not afraid to jack up the three. He, he comes in, he plays defense. He's an incredible rebounder. It's been a great story, obviously a great find for Bob Myers and the team. Uh, I've gone over some of the misses, but I have to give credit for, for finding a guy like Alfonso McKinney, who will definitely be on the team next year with a very cheap contract, uh, even if his playing time goes down. If they find a better, better option, there's no way he's not going to be on the team because he's proving he can contribute, and they have him really cheap next year. Uh, but just wanted to point out the praise that Steve Kerr is giving him and how important it is to have players like him. And that's why I think guys like Damian Lee and Marcus Derrickson have a shot next year to make the roster as well because they've shown, we'll take the shot, screw it. Are you of course we'll take the shot, you know, and because we've seen vets come come to this team and be so passive as if, they, as if they're Pat McCaw and shooting 30% or something. So... I thought it was a nice shout-out, especially after some nice contributions from a guy who, I don't know, it was questionable whether they'd play him or not in the playoffs. And I think he will have a role moving forward until, they, until he proves he can't, until he proves he can't contribute. Going to take one last break, come back, go over the results of the other games from yesterday, and maybe look ahead a little bit. That's all coming up next here on Locked On Warriors on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from State Farm, here with good news and even better news. The good news? State Farm has new lower car insurance rates. The even better news? That means you can now get the service and convenience of a local State Farm agent at surprisingly great rates. State Farm can help you save more cash and get the good neighbor service you deserve. Just talk to your local State Farm agent or visit statefarm.com to find out how much you can save on your car insurance. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. What up, everybody? Welcome back to Locked On, Warriors. I'm your host, Charles T. Hamilton. Just want to go over some of the uh, other finals in the Western Conference over the last couple days. So the main one, obviously, last night, Portland 
They beat OKC. Portland is up 3-1. Russell Westbrook had himself a bad game. I know we're all shocked. But he went uh, 5-21 from the field and was incredibly passive like the whole fourth quarter, which I guess I understand. There's a difference between creating and being passive. And he felt like he was being passive. Didn't want to go, you know, 5 for 30. Uh, Paul George didn't have a great game. They're just, man, it looks like it's going to be an early first-round exit for OKC for the third straight year. C.J. McCollum had a hell of a game. So did Dame Lillard. Those guys, they, they're they fun to watch. This has been the most fun series, I'd say, uh, in all of the playoffs. Some might say Sixers, Brooklyn, but I don't know. I'm I'm more into the Western Conference, I guess, than OKC and Portland do it for me. And so Portland looks like they're going to be moving on. Don't know who they're going to be facing, though, because Denver tied up their series on Saturday, beating San Antonio 2-2. If you guys are betting, I don't know who to bet on. I wouldn't give you any advice because I have no idea this game is a toss-up. Good luck. Good luck. But I will say this. With OKC most likely getting booted in the first round, as long as the Warriors make it past Houston, they're going to have a pretty easy, easier go in the Western Conference Finals because it's either going to be Denver, San Antonio, or Portland, which I know they would have liked to avoid Houston. But if they can get past them, pretty easy go in the Western Conference Finals. We'll have to wait and see, though. And by the way, let me throw this out there before I uh, get out of here, before I drop the mic. I know a lot of people are worried about Houston. I'm not. I'm not. I get it. They've been playing really well. James Harden's great. But you're telling me that Austin Rivers and Daniel House, who's had a hell of a year, and I hope he gets paid this offseason, and Amon Shumpert are the answers to the Golden State Warriors, that they're the upgrade over Ariza and Mbamute. And Ryan Anderson. Like, I just, I don't know. Maybe they are, but I don't see it. Could go seven. Would I be surprised if the Warriors win it in five? Not at all. Maybe I'm just a homer. I don't know. But we'll have to wait and see. We will have to wait and see. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with another episode of Locked On Warriors on the Locked On Podcast Network. If you're looking for me or any of the other great podcasts, on the Locked On Podcast Network, you can get them on Himalaya, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. Tell your smart device to play Locked On Warriors or any of the Locked On shows we got. We got the NBA, MLB, NFL all covered, so be sure to check those out. Once again, thank you guys so much for listening on Locked On Warriors on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. You can't climb a mountain if it's smooth. Right. You got to go over the rough spots. <laughs> Peace. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily podcast on the Golden State Warriors. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Bay Area sports fans, this is Ben Kaspic, host of the Locked On Giants podcast, which should be the next Locked On podcast you fire up in your feed. 
The MLB offseason is closing in, and I'll have you covered every day, breaking down the rumors, speculation, and transactions that'll shape next year's Giants team. Subscribe to Locked on Giants right now on your favorite podcast provider. This is Josh Lloyd, the host of the Locked on Fantasy Basketball Podcast, the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world. If you're looking for information regarding fantasy basketball, recaps of the NBA, this is the show for you. We are heading into the offseason and starting to get ready for the 2020-2021 fantasy season. We'll have all the information on what happens through the rest of the playoffs, free agency, the NBA draft, and then heading into a big 2021 season. So make sure you're checking out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast.